you'll take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 1, that's where our, our lesson will center. Psalm chapter 1, you're familiar with this, with this passage. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. As we look at this text, I want us to think about that word way, because that's essentially what we're talking about here in Psalm 1. That's who... That's what the psalmist, that's the, the subject to which the psalmist was referring as he by inspiration wrote this passage. And I want us to think about that word way, and as we do so, think about other passages that contain that word. For example, Judges 2.19, they cease not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. So we see that word and how it's used there. Think about our Lord whenever He said, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gates, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The importance of the way as we look at Psalm 1 is this. The way that we travel is determined by our choices. And our choices lead us in the, in the way that we choose. And the way that we choose leads us to our end. That is, we choose our end. In other words, what we'll face at the judgment. We choose that. We choose it. Think about how he said it there in the psalm again. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, you hear all these choices? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You see how there in verse 6, how it all leads to that ultimate end? The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. In other words, God is in communion with those people. God is accepting of those people. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. So it's a contrast based on the choices made. Those so in other words, ultimately every person will make choices. Every person does make choices. That choose a way to follow. That lead to an end that is of our own choice. Think about this. Jesus said, John 5, 28 and 29, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice and shall come forth. Listen to this. They that have done good 
under the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. You hear the choices? You hear the two different results? You two, the two different ends? Based on the choices? Based on the pathways chosen by those individuals as they chose their way of life? And as we go back to some of those verses to which we referred a moment ago, Judges 2.19, they cease not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. The Lord Himself, as we said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, enter ye in at the straight gate. He's commanding, do this, go in this way. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, S-T-R-A-I-T, straight, as in difficult to be navigated. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Find it. They're making choices to seek it. Unfortunately, the majority throughout all of time will not have made the proper choices to have sought the proper way and have stayed the course. So very briefly, I want us to look at just a couple of things as we consider this psalm a little further. I want us to look at how in Psalm 1 we see two things. You make your choice about what you listen to, as in the counsel. As in, whose instruction do you follow? As in, what, what am I going to choose as the, as the instruction of my life? That's what the psalmist said. He says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, notice the contrast, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Number one. Number two, I want us to consider not only what you listen to, what your counsel is, what you choose as your form of instruction to help you in that way. But number two, I want you to consider what you do. Because that's what he says there when he makes the comparison to the tree planted by the rivers of water. He said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree... Notice it's not just a simile. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But notice the contrast. The ungodly, verse 4, are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. So you have these, these two completely opposite pictures. You have the chaff, in other words, the waste left over after the grain has been gathered that's easily blown about and it's of no use. Versus this rooted tree that is productive and strong. And that's the idea that we need to consider is what do we do? Are we producing? Are we productive? Are we fruitful? That's the idea of this tree. For whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. In, in, in verses 1 and 2, he's talking about here's your counsel, here's what you follow. Verses 3 and 4, here's what you're doing. Here's what your works are like. 
And then verses 5 and 6, and here's your end, based on what you've followed as your instruction, what you've done, therefore this is who you are. And this is who you'll be in the final analysis. So it's no mystery, and it's not accidental. And it's not random. And it's not beyond my control. It's absolutely in my control. It's absolutely not accidental. And it's absolutely revealed to me, so there's no mystery about it. What do I listen to? As in, what's my guide and counsel? What do I do? Am I fruitful and productive? Where am I headed? What's my end? All right, let's take a look at this. So, what's my counsel? The psalmist is described there as, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You think about the word delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Think about who that is. Think about that characteristic describing a person. This person delights in God's law, enjoys it. Relishes the opportunity to read it and study it. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's a pretty easy picture to imagine. Let's consider some situations from the scriptures where that was done and where that wasn't done. For counsel, I want you to think about David as the psalmist. Psalm 119.97, he said, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So very similar to here in Psalm 1. He said, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And then we're also going to see the word way here in this next text. But Psalm 119.104 and 105. Through thy precepts, notice that. There's his, there's his body of counsel. Through thy precepts I get understanding. You see how his counsel is there? Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. And then the verse with which we're very familiar, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, you know what path is another word for? Way. Same idea. They're synonymous. Through thy precepts, there's the body of teaching, there's the counsel, there's the instruction. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. By that teaching, I'm instructed. I'm counseled. I'm, I'm warned against these false things and I know what to avoid. Thy word is a lamp unto my path, therefore I know how to walk is a lamp unto my path and a light unto my way. I, I know what way I should go. That goes directly in line with what the Lord Himself said while He was in the flesh. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And think about His warning against error. Matthew seven fifteen, the very next verse of the text that we cited earlier, or after the text that we cited earlier. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So David himself followed the counsel of God. I want you to think about, you remember what he said? Remember what happened whenever they moved the ark? 
And they moved it in their own prescribed way because thinking about that word way, how about Proverbs 14, 12? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. David, whenever they made plans to move the ark the first go-around, you remember what happened. They put the ark on the cart. They pulled the cart with an ox. Uzzah touched the ark, and Uzzah dropped dead. At first, David was very displeased with this fact that the Lord had brought about Uzzah's death. But upon further reflection on what they had done, here's an instance where David, in the negative sense, had done something wrong because he hadn't followed the way of the Lord. But then after reflecting upon it, he corrected himself and he realized his mistake. So I want you to think about First Chronicles 15 where he says, For because you did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us. Listen to this. For that we sought him not after the due order. There was a way that we should have followed. And we didn't do it. And because we didn't follow the way that God had prescribed his instruction, it led to Uzzah's death. Whereas at first, David's, if you will, knee-jerk reaction to the death of Uzzah was displeasure with God. But upon reflecting on what they had done and how they had done it, David was of a contrite heart, a, a humble soul that could look at his own actions and say, I did something wrong. Whereas you think about his predecessor, Saul, that man couldn't enter, that man could never admit to wrong after he had become king. He couldn't admit to be, being wrong. You remember Saul, whenever they were supposed to have wiped out the Amalekites and all of their possessions and all their things? But Saul had better plans than the Lord. And he kept some of the things. He kept the best. And you remember what Samuel said, What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep that I hear? In other words, why do I hear these animals making these sounds when you tell me you've done the will of the Lord? And, he's, and Saul basically says, well, we kept the best to offer to the Lord. But he blamed the people in doing it. Saul never could own up to his own mistakes. That was his big problem. He was self-righteous to the end. David was different than that. David was not seamlessly perfect. But that's the monumental difference between David and Saul. Is David could admit a wrong and then be humbled by it whereas Saul rejected someone telling him he was wrong. He changed a lot from the person he, had he was whenever the Lord made him king. But you remember there, 1 Samuel 15, the, the text to which we were referring earlier, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. In other words... He's pointing out, look, there's a pathway you should have followed and you did not do it. 
You can't substitute your own pathway and say, well, we saved these things so we could offer to God these things. Samuel said, that's not what God said for you to do. Think about what the rest of the passage said. Samuel said, "...that the Lord is great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams." Now listen to verse 22. I mean, excuse me, verse 23. "...for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry." That's a pretty scary comparison. Stubbornness is idolatry. Think about that. In other words, what Saul did is he looked at the commandments, the counsel of God, and he said, no, I'm going to do it this way. And Samuel, after looking at what Saul did, says, through the inspiration of God, says, stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Your stubbornness in choosing your counsel, your pathway of, defo- of what you're going to follow, instead of God's, you substituted your way for God's way. In other words, in the process, you said, God, your way is not good. Your way is not sufficient. I do not approve of your way. I approve of my way, and I will do it my way. And he says, stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now, I want you to hear that word stubbornness, and you think about David whenever he had them move the ark the way they did, and, and Uzzah died, versus David looking back at it in First Chronicles 15 and saying, for because you did it not at the first, he's not blaming them. He's saying, because we didn't do it at the first, the way you should have been the ones moving it. Remember how it was supposed to be the Levites moving it? He's saying, because you were not the ones moving it, we weren't moving it in the prescribed way, the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that. Because they didn't, we sought Him not after the due order. In other words, we didn't follow His plan. We didn't follow His instructions. We didn't follow His counsel. Now look at Israel in general. You think about Israel. So when we think about nations, right, we think about Proverbs 14.34, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. In other words, the pathway that a nation chooses is going to lead to its end. End meaning not necessarily finality as in destruction per se, but as in where it's headed. Where it's headed. Is it going to go off into destruction or is it going to go off into blessing? Right? And that notice Proverbs 14 earlier in that chapter. There is a way, verse 12, which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You remember what Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 10, 23? O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. In other words, man has to look outward. He can't look inside and say, I know the way to go now. He has to do what the psalmist did. Psalm 1, 1 and 2, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. So Israel as a nation, you think about her, Carried off into Assyrian captivity, 2 Kings 17. After having adopted sinful ways of worship, Jeroboam had corrupted God's pattern of worship, 1 Kings 12, 25 to 33. 1 Kings 14, 16, 2 Kings 17, 21 to 23. 
First Kings 14, 16 says, He shall give Israel up for the sins of Jeroboam who did sin and who made Israel to sin. In other words, Israel followed a man down a man-made pathway to destruction because they never got off the pathway and never corrected their course. And you remember Jeroboam followed a council that wasn't God's either, right? Then Jeroboam built Shechem and Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from tents and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at, at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. He wasn't following God when he took that counsel. He was actually designing a plan that, that the whole purpose of that plan was to separate from God's way so that he, in his own thinking, could be benefited because he was afraid of people following God's way would not be beneficial for him. Alright, so Israel as a nation... They fell because of sin. They chose to go their own way. Think about what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins, this is Isaiah 1, 18 and following, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, you hear the choice offered? If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken. You notice what he had already said, Isaiah 1, 2, and 3. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider they rebelled against God. They took God's teaching, God's instruction, and they rebelled against it. In fact, Isaiah said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight, Isaiah 5, 20 and 21. What had they done? They had taken God's instruction, taken God's counsel, God's mind, God's word, and they had said, I don't want that, I want this. And they had followed that to the end. So they were going to be destroyed, and they were. They were carried into captivity. 2 Kings 17, by Assyria. Hosea comments on the same period of time. The very familiar verse, Hosea 4.6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Notice what they did. He's, he's pointing out, you've divorced yourself from me. You've taken this, my counsel, my will, and you've set it aside for your own way. Because listen to what they did, Hosea 8.12. We've, we've talked about this before here. 
He said, I have written unto him the great things of my law. But they were counted as a strange thing. And you remember what he said at the end, near the end of the book, Hosea 13.9, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. They had destroyed themselves spiritually, which was going to lead to their physical destruction because now God was going to, they were aligning themselves with punishment. But I want you to think about this. Assyria is not who destroyed Israel. They only did so physically. But they wouldn't have been able to do so physically had God still been providentially caring for Israel as they were continuing to follow Him in obedience. That would have never happened. But it did because Israel destroyed themselves spiritually first. And I think that's a good indicator of where we stand as a nation too. I'm not, giving, I'm not saying I have it figured out at the times and things like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying we're doing a pretty good job of, trying, of destroying ourselves spiritually as a nation. But the good news is, is individuals make choices. Individuals make up nations. And we make choices by listening to the right counsel. Choosing the right counsel. So what do you do? What do I do? Well, we've got to remember that. What did Peter tell his readers? He says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. I want you to think about something for a minute about that word milk there. I think that word milk there has less to do with the fact that it's talking about segregating between types of scriptures uh, so-called easier scriptures and so-called tougher scriptures. It's simply a comparison to say you need to desire the Word of God like a baby desires milk. In that passage. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, you need to desire for God's Word like a baby desires for milk. I'm not here telling you that there aren't passages that are more difficult than others. I, I get it. I'm just saying, we've got to make sure that we desire God's Word like we ought to. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law does He meditate day and night. Instead of like Israel, I have written unto Him the great things of my law, and they were counted as a strange thing. Think about what Paul told Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Think about what he said, 2 Timothy 3.16 and following. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. This is our counsel. Given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearance and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrines, but after their own lusts 
shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. You see that choice in choosing to shift from one set of counsel to the other? You and I have got to choose the right counsel. When we choose the right counsel, then we do the right things. We go to the right end. We choose the right counsel. We do the right things. We go to the right end. Lord willing, we'll do part two of this lesson, doing the right things, Sunday night, a week from now. But I want you to think about this. We choose the right... We, we make choices as people. There's a lot going on these days is talking about the people, the stuff that people have no power over. But then there's a lot of stuff that people do have power over and they're trying to say that you know, they just can do it however they want. We make choices as people. And there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 And our Lord said, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Matthew 7.13-14 And He said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. And as he said, marvel not at this, John 5, 28 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming. You and I need to remember this. The hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. People make choices. They choose their counsel what they listen to they choose what they do and that chooses their end it's not accidental it's not random and it's not coincidental it is deliberate and it is defined by God blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the godly or the way of the righteous, excuse me. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm 1, 1, 6. Jesus came and died for us so that we could be saved. Appealing to us to choose to follow the Lord's way, the Lord's counsel, to leave behind our old way of sin and to come into His new way of life. That if we will believe and obey His plan, we can be saved just like Jesus is recorded to have said. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned.
Mark 16, 15, and 16. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, why not now? If you have and you've strayed away, why not come back? If we can help you, please come while we stand.